This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. Big giant news. My family bought two guinea pigs. Also, the Big Ten preseason poll conducted by Cleveland.com is out. Tenth season that Cleveland.com has conducted this unofficially official preseason Big Ten poll. And even though we have no idea what's going to happen, we don't even have a Big Ten schedule at this point. People were voting, and we encouraged them to vote just on what do you think of the football teams. So we sent out a call to writers from around the league, and Nathan Baird, Stephen Means still on vacation, Nathan Baird, we got at least one voter from every Big Ten team, right? I believe so, yes. By, by tonight, we finally were able to pull in a couple um, that were stragglers. We got them all. We got, we got everybody covered. We have some sort of big big picture people. Phil Steele, Buckeye Talk favorite. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, Buckeye Talk favorite votes in this poll. Kevin McGuire voted in this poll this year. Um, lots of good people. And then we, we really try to target, um, you know, people who are dedicated Big Ten beat writers from major media outlets who are dedicated to covering their teams. So we get a wide swath. Um, Nathan voted. Did you remember to vote, Nathan? I did. I mine almost were the first. Mine were the first votes in the spreadsheet, actually. And mine were near the end because, yes. again, this is the 10th year. Nathan took over the tabulations this year. First year, I didn't tabulate. You tabulated in an Excel spreadsheet. You said, I tabulate on a yellow legal pad. Yeah. That's one of the ways that we are different. I think my way is easier, <laughs> but that's just me. By the way, uh, so right out of the gate, I'm taking over the poll for the first time. Right out of the gate, did you notice this? Oh, I noticed it, and I did I not bring it up to you. <laughs> I misspelled Cleveland in the subject line of the first email that I sent out. <laughs> you spelled Cleveland C-K-E. I've now, never seen- in my defense, the K and the L are right next to each other on the QWERTY keyboard layout, as you all know. In your defense, you don't live in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> true. So, yeah, right away, out of the gates. But we got great response. We actually, in this, in this time of a pandemic, we actually wound up with more voters than a year ago. How many voters did we wind up with? 34, I think 34. 
So about about 80% of the cast out that we did, and a couple of those people were uh, that didn't that didn't vote were on vacation or, or things like that, and we kind of pulled this together quickly. So I thought we got a pretty good return. I had at least one friend, one of my my friends, who was like, "What are we doing? I'm not taking part in this." And I respect that. I get it. Actually, last year we also exactly had 34. Usually we put it out to to around 40 writers. So 34 is a pretty good return. So here's what we're going to talk about. The order of finish in the East, the order of finish in the West, the Big Ten Championship game, the Big Ten champion, and then offensive and defensive player of the year. Each voter is asked to give a top three for that. So Nathan has all the tabulations. I saw a little of it because shh, we sent out the, the info to the tech subscribers first. The tech subscribers got this about 9.15 on Thursday night before anybody else in the world knew it. Um, so I accidentally saw the beginning of that text. I don't know anything about the West. I don't know anything about offensive and defensive player. I saw who the top three are in the East, but it's what I would have guessed anyway. So no surprises. Let's start with the East because that's where Ohio state is. And let's talk about the predicted order of finish in the East. And here's the other thing, Nathan, we're talking about for our market down Mondays. We appreciate you guys listening to Buckeye talk tech subscribers. If you want to do something like get a little edge on stuff, Try a 14-day free trial. This would have been a good time to do it. You would have gotten the edge on the on the Big Ten poll voting. But there's other things you can get a little heads up on coming. 614-350-3315. Had about three or four people jump in since our last call out on the podcast. Would love to have you for a 14-day free trial. $3.99 a month after that. Drop reviews. Again, excellent reviews rolling in. Love you guys. Thanks so much for expressing that. Bunch of five stars on the uh, iTunes reviews. Readcleveland.com slash OSU. So we'll go through the East because this is Buckeye talk and Ohio State's in the East. But the thing, Nathan, I was going to mention, Market Down Monday, we have a list. You made a list of sort of big picture things that we want to start rolling through on Market Down Mondays in August because we are proceeding with the idea there's going to be a season until we're told there's not a season. How much do we want to get into our own predictions here? Or is that a separate Market Down Monday when Steven is back and the three of us can really delve into our own predictions about how the Big Ten is going to shake out. I mean, we are going to do another episode that is our own predictions. So I, I think we can sort of, I don't know. Let's, I don't know if tease. we want to give let's it all away. Let's tease. We'll just tease it. Let's just tease it. Let's tease it. So we'll talk about, I mean, our votes, just like the COVID testing information that Ohio State is not releasing. Ohio State's COVID tests are folded in to the state numbers, but we don't know the individual Ohio State testing results. Our votes are folded in to the Cleveland.com poll of 34, vo- 34 voters, but you will have to wait until a future Market Down Monday to find out exactly how Nathan and Stephen and I actually voted. And Nathan, just to double check, Stephen is on vacation, but he did vote from vacation. Is that correct? He did. He voted earlier than you did from vacation. Well, well done. I, did I not mention that I was busy buying two guinea pigs? Um, <laughs> I By the said, way, the, one of the shows I mentioned that we were uh, binging, uh, I'm Sorry, it's a show that I think it was on True TV and now it's on Netflix. We, tonight we were watching that, um, uh, more Eating Dinner and they had an episode where they bought a guinea pig. Like within minutes of, or maybe an hour of you having told us that you bought a guinea pig. So nice. it's going around. I will say I sent out the text subscribers in a message earlier Thursday evening. Hey, sorry, I hadn't texted today. We were buying some guinea pigs. I'm open to guinea pig advice. And this is just a little flavor of what our tech subscribers are like. 
we got one response that was from a veterinarian in Georgia who gave very valuable and appreciated information. We got another response from somebody who had lived with guinea pigs and said, all they do is go to the bathroom. So get ready for your house to stink. And we got another response from someone who was describing uh, a tribe in South America that views guinea pigs as a delicacy. So we were instructed on how to care for our guinea pigs, be ready to smell our guinea pigs, and also potentially prepare to eat our guinea pigs. That's what our tech subscribers are like. Let's get to this. That's why you this. got two, right? In case, in case things go haywire now with society, you need a food source, but you still have one for a pet. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, our friend Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch was, uh, was, was you know, smart planning ahead. That my kids think we got pets. I got emergency meat just in case. Um, all right, let's start with the East. And I will guess, so here's what I didn't guess. Am I, am I going to guess that Rutgers is seventh in the East? Is that where they are in our vote? Rutgers is seventh in the East by a, a, a wide margin. There have been times when Rutgers has been a unanimous seventh place selection. So, Rutgers was picked sixth on four ballots. Tease, one of those ballots was mine. Uh, I believe in Greg Schiano. Uh, no, you don't. You believe they're going to finish sixth. That's a victory. Have you not listened to the last five years of Buckeye Talk? Sixth place in the Big Ten is a victory for Rutgers. Uh, I will predict that Maryland is sixth. Correct. Michigan State fifth. Hold on a second. I left my screen. Yes. Indiana fourth. Correct. And then I saw this, but it's what I would have said. Michigan third, Penn State second, Ohio State first. Other than Correct. Indiana being ahead of Michigan State, that is basically – actually, I, I, have, I have a reason. I have to explain why it's not the case. That is a very frequent prediction. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan as the top three, often mm -hmm. in that order. Michigan State fourth, kind of clearly fourth. Indiana clearly fifth. And then Maryland Rutgers at the bottom. But I have to point this out. This poll a year ago picked Michigan to win the Big Ten. So let's keep that in mind, and we will get into the wretched history of the Cleveland.com preseason poll and how incorrect it has been over the years. How we have 34 voters. Was there anyone who picked Ohio State to not win the East? Yes. There was, Ohio State had 33 of the 34 first-place votes to win the East. And the other one must have gone to Penn State. Yes. So that is not insane to me. A person nope. who believes Penn State's very good. Penn State gets Ohio State at home. Certainly we have no expectation that it's at all, if the games are played, that they're at all going to be normal stadium environments. But that idea, I mean, that is not a far-fetched idea. Ohio State's nope. so dominant. I could, I could see them being unanimous, but I also wouldn't have been shocked to see. I mean, if you told me eight people picked right. that instead of one, that would be reasonable too. Or if somebody had picked Ohio State to finish third, I think that would have been weird. But I think if, if there's a, a small percentage of people, in this case very small, just one, so like 3%, picks Penn State to win that game at home, I, I, don't, think that's un, that, I don't think that's outlandish. So and it was, have, not, it was not a Penn State beat writer that made that, made that okay. selection. You have the point totals? I do. Right there. Why don't you just run through then all the point totals so people can hear how close or not close teams were in this prediction for the East. And again, I want to thank the fine people at Excel for coming up with uh, this uh, tool that we were able to use. Um, Ohio State, 237 points. Penn State, 204 points. Michigan, 169 points. So, I mean, some pretty 
significant separation here. You're going to see a very different picture in the West, but pretty significant separation between each spot. Uh, IU 134 points, Michigan State 94 points, Maryland 76 points. Those two are a little closer than maybe I would have expected, and then Rutgers 38 points. Yeah, that's a wide gap. I, again, this is often how it goes, again, with the caveat that Michigan was picked to finish first in the East last year. Often, one of the more interesting things is how big is the gap between Penn State and Michigan? And that's a pretty convincing gap right yeah. there. There was only there were there was only one the the same reporter who picked no, I shouldn't say that one reporter one voter picked Michigan to finish fourth, but they were third on every other ballot, and then Penn State was second on every ballot except the one where they were first. Okay, I should say no. I'm sorry. There were two votes for them fourth. Two 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 Michigan votes for fourth, and those those um, both I think may have picked Indiana to finish third. Okay, so you and I had sort of talked about this on a previous podcast. It does feel like people are gathering around Indiana as a potential dark horse in the Big Ten. But again, Indiana was close to Michigan or not that close? Indiana fourth in the East, but not that close to third, right? No, um, still separated by 35 points. Um, that, that's basically not every voter. Right, exactly. Okay. All right, so no surprise there. And again, this is often the case. Again, this is the 10th year we've done this. I have an, e I have an ego about this, Nathan. I like the fact that – okay, so I want to – <laughs> About this. <laughs> this. I have an ego. Buckeye talk. Uh, we, are we are doing this on video, which we almost never do. We're going to start trying to put out some Buckeye talk videos – on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. If you want to follow our YouTube channel, it's Cleveland. Google Cleveland.com Ohio State YouTube, and it'll take you there. You can subscribe to it. We have not been doing anything on it because we have not been together. Typically, every time we're together at a game, at a practice, at an interview session, Nathan and Steven and I get together afterward, and we do a little mic stand up, and we put those videos up uh, on our YouTube channel. It's another way for people to you know, get a little breakdown from us. You can read it, you can listen to it, or you can watch it. We're going to try to start putting some Buckeye Talk clips up on YouTube. So it's like, if you're listening to this, I guess it's not necessarily intended for you because you're already listening to it. But if you want to see our heads, I'm wearing a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup t-shirt. Nathan has on a green collared shirt. I'm wearing like, yeah, like a, like a Levon Hernandez, Charles Johnson, um, <laughs> Florida Marlins polo shirt or something. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start doing that. If you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, though, it's just another way to do it. David Anderson, who's one of our really good videographers at cleveland.com, he does this for the Browns. He's going to start doing this for us. So the reason that matters is because when I just said I have an ego about this, Nathan's eyebrows shot off the screen and I could see it. Now, this is going to be good for me because I can't. In the old days, I couldn't it's be terrible see, for us. I couldn't see you and Steven see roll your eyes. God, <laughs> I'm going to have a counter on eye rolls in a podcast. We'll have to see what the record is. But I have an ego about everything. But I like that this is ours, and I like that the Big Ten doesn't want to hurt people's feelings and and gave this up. And it's so silly, and that we we stepped into the breach. And it's been a decade now. 2011 was the first year. So, because when they went to divisions, they went to, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So, um, again, you can, you know, 
other magazines, Phil Steele has his predictions, and Brett Cianci at Pick 6 Previews, who is on here, has his predictions, and Athlon Magazines has their predictions. And maybe some – but this is like sort of like the most established group prediction, and I just was double-checking. I'm not sure what's going to happen with other conferences because what we try to do with this poll is recreate what the other conferences do themselves. And at Media Days, those conferences gather votes from the reporters attending those, those Media Days – and put that out from the conference. It's the official SEC prediction. And I just checked with our friend Michael Casagrande, who covers Alabama for AL.com, and said, hey, you know, did the SEC do anything? And he said, no, they haven't released anything, and he doesn't think they ever did the voting. So now we may have the only officially unofficial preseason prediction, because I don't – the SEC didn't do it. There's no media days. There were – was no credentials, so I don't know. So usually we're trying to match. We're trying to match on behalf of the Big Ten what other conferences do. This year it may be only us. But I like it. I like that we do it. I like that we've done it for 10 years. This is often how it goes. The, the, the East is almost in separate classes. There's usually the Ohio State class. There's the Penn State-Michigan basically that class. Then there's like the Michigan State-Indiana class. And then there's the Maryland-Rutgers class. And there's usually very distinct differences between those groups, very obvious. The West is a mess in a great way. So right now, I don't know any West answers, and I'm not sure who the West favorite is. So let's start. I started in the East. I started at seven. Let's start at one in the West. I want to say, and with about 20-some votes in, as we were probably approaching, I don't know, 25, 26 votes, there was – I started to to let the Excel people do their magic and a team was winning the West by I think two points out of all the votes we'd had. And then it flipped and another team ended up winning by uh, much closer than it was in the East, but I guess somewhat comfortably. All right. I'll say Wisconsin won. Wisconsin with 221 points. I'll say Minnesota too. Minnesota with 209.5 points. So there was a time when Minnesota was leading the balloting. There was, and fairly late in the night. Like, I had already – I had, I had um, put in all of the votes that we had up to that point and then went down and did the tabulation. So I would get – I mean, we might have had five or six more after that, but it was pretty late into the 20s, I think, that they were winning. And then I think, like, all of the last, like, seven or eight that came in had Wisconsin first. Okay, this could so it had, now, to be, it had to be maybe a little bit earlier than that because it would because it ended up being eleven and a half points. But it was still as of this evening. I can I can definitely say it was PM on Thursday. Minnesota was leading the voting. Right, we'll have to we'll have to have PJ Fleck on to see if talk about if he's uh, feeling disrespected or not. I'll say third. I don't know. I'll say Iowa. Iowa was third with 158 points. And now you're going to start to see things. I guess there still are some separations here, but the, I will say there were, there were seven teams, obviously, in the East, and five of them had either a first or second place vote. In the West, you mean? Or the West, yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Yep. All right. Four, I'll say Northwestern. No. Nebraska? Nebraska fourth. Five, Northwestern? Nope. Purdue. Purdue. Six Northwestern, seven Illinois. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, the West, I, it could go anywhere. 
One thing, and I, I mean, you guys don't care as much about what I think about the West because I'm wrong about everything anyway. I think Iowa might fall apart. They had another, they, they released their report about the state of the program under Kirk Ferentz, whether uh, there was a culture there that had black players feeling uncomfortable, the, the remedies for that potentially. Um, you know, sometimes when stuff goes wrong, you know, teams rally around that and you're strengthened by that. I think this could be a season in the crapper for Iowa where, you know what, like it felt like, and I didn't read everything about the report today. It felt like they came to the conclusion that like, you know what, there was some definite stuff wrong, but Kirk Ferentz really isn't the problem. He said he became too much of a CEO type of coach. He's got to get more hands on. I don't know. I think, I think when you have issues like that and a coach who has been there forever, I'm not sure you can just come to the conclusion that it's not really his fault. So I had Iowa low because I think they might fall off a cliff because of all this stuff. Does that sound crazy to you, Nathan? It doesn't sound crazy to me. I I had them. um, It was sort of a tiebreaker for me in the way that I picked the West. Uh, There were a lot of teams that I was considering. I, I thought you could make cases for a lot of people behind the teams that I had at the top in that kind of three, four, five mix. And I sort of bumped, Iowa down with some of that in mind. But then I also thought that Iowa is just more talented than some of the teams below them. And so I, I, it was a balance of those two things. I think Northwestern could be better than, than sixth. I'm a little surprised at sixth. Um, They had a down year last year. They're better than that. They have a lot of their defense back. They had a lot of injuries last year. I think they have almost as much back as almost any team in the country. And one of the reasons that Indiana surprised a lot of people, I think, last year was because of their quarterback play. And a lot of that quarterback play was Peyton Ramsey, who now is a grad transfer at Northwestern and I think is going to be the starter there. They also have Hunter Johnson, the former five-star recruit at Clemson, but he didn't do anything last year. I think think people might be underestimating, as we all fall in love with Indiana and fall in love with Michael Penix and the upside of Michael Penix, it was sort of like the steadiness of Peyton Ramsey that helped Indiana, I think, win some games last year. He's taking that to Northwestern, whose quarterback situation last year was a wreck. If he fixes quarterback, and I think he will, I think they have enough other stuff there. They're two years removed from winning the West, and they are the type of program – and I've said this before, there, I think there are a lot of examples of this in the West. When, they, when you expect the team to be good, they can't handle it. When you give up on them and there's no expectations, they come out of nowhere. I think Northwestern, going from West champ in 18 to down year in 19, I think they could be very competitive again in 20. And I was also very curious to see where Nebraska wound up because everybody loved Nebraska last year and they stunk. I was wondering if voters would bail on Nebraska or still sort of believe in them a little bit. And it kind of sounds like it was somewhere in between Nathan. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern had the biggest variance in opinion. Uh, They had a first place vote. They had a couple of third place votes and they had eight last place votes. So people don't really know. I mean, the consensus of the big 10 doesn't know what to make of Northwestern right now. Um, Nebraska very much in the middle. If you just look right down, it's like a lot of, Five, four, three, five. They had a um, had a couple of, of six place votes. I think they might have had a second place vote from somebody, or maybe they were no higher than third. But another one of those teams, and and that's the other thing to remember here too. Like, if somebody could vote, you know, um, in, in some order, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, or Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, and Northwestern, 
you have to vote those somewhere between three and six. And I guess you could throw Illinois in there three and seven, but you might think that, you know, a lot of those teams end up just with the same record, but you got to stack them up somehow. I think that's what's kind of the more of how I see the West being this year. Like you have to call somebody sixth, but really you're calling, you might be calling three or four teams essentially identical. So um, I, I will give this away for, cause I mean, cause nobody cares. The first place vote for Northwestern and the West is me. Um, and I went to Northwestern, but I don't care about Northwestern football. I went to their journalism school. I didn't play football there. They stunk when I was there. I, I don't care if they win or lose. I'm just buying into a little bit of injuries last year, lots of experience back. And if all of a sudden you get competent quarterback play, I think it could be like, voila, they're more like the 18 team again right away. And with Wisconsin, they lost some guys on the offensive line. They lost Jonathan Taylor. They also have a lot back on defense, but I think I'd take Peyton Ramsey over Jack Cohn. You know, uh, Nebraska, I'm not going to fall for that again. Iowa, I think, is going to fall apart. Minnesota lost a ton on defense. Yes, you know, they have Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman. I'm not sure what else they have there. So I think the West is wide open. And I just sort of bought in all of a sudden when I was thinking about it, I bought into some of the Peyton Ramsey stuff. Um, so that is my vote, just so you guys know. Honestly, I, listening to you talk about it makes me think I might have had them a little bit underrated. Um, but I, I just saw them as being more in that messy middle of the West. I, I think there's a couple teams that are sort of the cream of the crop. I mean, my, my vote was more like what the consensus came out to be. And then there's a bunch of teams in the middle, and I don't really know which one I had to kind of – you're taking your best guess as to which one kind of rises up out of that. This is one thing, and I think – I mean, we have some people who really put uh, – I like our poll because we get the most serious people about Big Ten football in the country. We get the national people who really know a lot about the Big Ten, but it's mostly Big Ten writers who this is all they do. They cover their team, but then they know the Big Ten, and they know more about opponents, most of them do, than me. And even the For national sure. guys are people who are, tend to be, like, based in the Midwest and like, right. kind of know the Big Ten, based in the Big Ten. So there's – I mean, it's a lot of guesswork, but I, I, like, I like the numbers of our poll, that we're in the 30s or 40s. With the number. It's, enough, it's enough to have a wide swath, but it's not so many that you wind up with people who have no idea what they're saying. Did this seem to be like a more pure poll this year in some ways too, because we don't know what the schedule is. So it's more like you're just really just voting on what you think the merits of the teams are to some extent, because you don't, I, you can kind of know if, if there is a crossover who would play at home, that sort of thing, but we don't know what they're going to do with the schedule. So instead of people like gaming, well, Wisconsin has a tougher schedule than Minnesota. So I'm going to give Minnesota the first place vote here. It's more just about um, who you think the better team is pure and simple. And I do I, what I was going to get to is that idea. I think there are a lot of people who do game that out. Usually, I didn't do it this year because there was no point to it. Usually, what I do is I go through every game and I pick a winner and loser for every game. And I think this is what I think of these teams. Okay, now here's their schedule: win, loss, loss, win, win, win. Okay, now when I go to the next team schedule, what did I say they do in the last game? And I make sure all the games match up, and you make sure that in the end you have the same number of total wins and total losses. And then I just add it up and say, okay. I don't predetermine. I say, this is how good I think these teams are. This is what their schedules are. This is when I think they'll win and lose. And then I just say, okay, well, I said this team would be seven and two. They're number one. I didn't do that this year because of what you said, Nathan. And I think other people do that. But for instance, Iowa, 
their crossover games at the moment are they're at Ohio State and at Penn State. Yeah, so they play the brutal. two best teams in the opposing division on the road. And their other crossover is Michigan State at home. So that's about as hard as it can be. No Rutgers, no Maryland. The two toughest ones are on the road. So, like, still, I factored that in a little bit when I think about, do I think what, Iowa might fall off a cliff? But I think to your point, did you, like, when you voted, how much did you consider it? Because I, I didn't at all. We're, we're saying this. The expectation is that the Big Ten, new Big Ten schedule might come out Friday, might come out this weekend. It's going to be out very soon. But in the end, we decided to do this now. The Big Ten media days would have been last week. So if we were trying to time it with when our poll normally comes out, we're a week late. But I did think in the end it kind of made sense to get it out now. Or, yeah, and you could be honest, do you think it would have made more sense to say, let's wait until we at least have a schedule and then let's ask people to vote based on that. I, I think I like this version of it. I think this is asking people, and maybe there were people who still did go by the schedule because we don't know. The Big Ten could end up kind of going by the schedule they have. I mean, they rearranged the dates a little bit, which, by the way, would help Iowa a lot, um, although they don't have to play Iowa State anymore, so that changes that a little bit. But um, maybe people still went by that because it could end up being that. I don't know. But I think this just asks, this is more of a pure question. Like who do you think like rank the teams in order of how good you think they are one through seven. It's that simple. Like, and, and don't, don't put any of the guesswork of, well, cause then I think you start, we we've all done that. And then you kind of start thinking, well, but I think this team should probably win. They should beat somebody on the road. So which of these other bad teams will they beat on the road? Like that kind of thing. And then this kind of throws all that out the window. All right, so let's just run through it again for the people who are at home listening or out on the jogging trail listening or mowing their lawn and listening and they want to get out their phone and put this in the notes app of their phone. Run down one through seven with the total points for the West. For the West, uh, Wisconsin, 221. Minnesota, 209.5. Iowa, 157. Nebraska, 117. Purdue, 105, Northwestern 87.5, Illinois 55. And that's, and you know, when we talk about the West, how weak, how weak the West is, and it certainly is on balance weaker than the East, but that's the team that we're picking to finish seventh went to a bowl game last year. So it's interesting when you start, and just stuff like this makes you do it a little bit. Listen, I didn't spend a ton of time on this, right? I mean, let's be honest. But I looked through stuff, right? I read up on stuff. I double-checked some roster stuff. I double-checked some how good were they last year, who's back kind of stuff. You know what? The West, I think, is – there are some decent teams in the West. You know, Wisconsin always is Wisconsin. Minnesota, right? I mean, I think there's a, a different – with all their defensive losses and losing Tyler Johnson, I think there's some degree of doubt of whether they can sort of repeat what was a pretty magical season. They won some close games. But you know what? I mean, like, they're, they're a legitimate team. If Iowa's always Iowa, Iowa's kind of like, you know, Wisconsin light. But, in the, you know, you expect they're always pretty good and their coach has been there for a while. Nebraska fell off a cliff, but it's like if you believe in Frost at all and now, you know, again, you play the reverse expectation game. Purdue has some talent. I think they have quarterback questions, but you believe in Brom. Lovey got the big win against Wisconsin last year with Illinois. Just for instance, when you look – Illinois with 55 points in last place, that's a lot more points than Rutgers got being in last place in the right. East, right? So 
they're not as much of a doormat. And I, I, I think maybe one through seven, I, I think you'd make a very strong argument. The West might be better than the East. The, the East is always top heavy. But if you said, who are the, who are the 10 best teams in the Big Ten? I mean, you might end up with more teams in the West than you would teams in the East, right? I mean, it wouldn't surprise you really if any of those seven teams found a way to get to a bowl game, in part because they can kind of all beat each other to some extent. And the West isn't as top-heavy. You don't think everybody's starting with like two losses the way you are at the bottom of the East. However, you wouldn't say that about at least the bottom two teams in the East right now. I think you, if you, people would be surprised if you said you thought Maryland or Rutgers are going to make a bowl game this year, and maybe even Michigan State. So now you're talking about almost half of that division that people think are not even a 500 team. So it does make you kind of rethink the balance a little bit. I think you still don't have the, at least we don't think exists yet, that elite kind of team that you have in Ohio State and maybe even Penn State in the West. Let's take a break on Buckeye Talk. We'll come back with who was picked to win the Big Ten Championship, and then we'll go through the offensive and defensive players of the year. You're listening to the reveal of the Cleveland.com preseason Big Ten Bowl. Darn it. Three, two, one. You're listening to the reveal. I'm not actually editing that out. Nathan, by the way, there was a time, depending how much time I have to edit, I have started editing out more pauses, and both you and I do this a lot. Yeah, no, it, we do. Um, yeah. And so, and I, I take a lot of those out. <laughs> and like on, for the Wednesday podcast, I didn't have time. I just, I just, I didn't edit a single thing. So I don't know how many are in there. But if that was you, probably like at least twenty minutes of that podcast. If it was you just our he- lips smacking. If you hear a podcast where we're not saying, it's not that we didn't do it. It's that I had. 20 extra minutes to edit that stuff out. So every now and then I'm compressing some of the breaks. And I wonder if people notice when they think, wow, those guys didn't have those gigantic pauses where they're trying to figure out what the heck to say. They were really smart that week. It's like, no, Doug took 26 minutes more of editing. Um, I'm not editing this one. It's too late at night. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. 34 voters. Let's give them the meat, Nathan. How many people picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten Championship out of 34 voters? All but one. The one being the one who picked Penn State to win the East, then picked Penn State to go on and win the Big Ten Championship. I was double-checking with a voter on Thursday night uh, to double-check one of their votes, and they said, oh, uh, yeah, no, I did pick Ohio State to win it. It's unanimous, isn't it? And I said, no, it's actually one vote shy of unanimous. Uh, Again, unanimous – would have made total sense, but I don't, I don't think anyone can be outraged or super strongly disagree with the Penn State rationale there. But again, as usual, it's very seldom that you find people picking the winner of the West to win the Big Ten Championship, and this year nobody did it. Not a single one. And the, the one voter picked Penn State to beat Minnesota in the championship game. And, the, um, and, and as I said before, most of the matchups were Ohio State against either Wisconsin. They had 19 first-place votes. Minnesota, 14 first-place votes. And Northwestern, one first-place vote. So it was Ohio State beating Wisconsin 19 times, Minnesota 13 times, Northwestern once. All right, so we'll throw in a little history here to make the point that last year, the most popular matchup in our preseason vote in the Big Ten Championship game, there were eight votes for Michigan over Nebraska – eight votes for Michigan over Iowa, six votes for Ohio State over Iowa, four votes for Ohio State over Nebraska, and then we got to the three people who actually got it right, 
Ohio State over Wisconsin were three of the 34 voters. So in the history, in the first nine years of our poll, voters have gotten it right twice. Twice. And let me run through the history. I love running through how dumb we are. 2011, we picked Nebraska to be the Big Ten champ. It was actually Wisconsin. 2012, pick Michigan, actually Wisconsin. 2013, pick Ohio State, actually Michigan State, because Michigan State beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. 2014, pick Michigan State, it's actually Ohio State. And that was a redo. Ohio State was initially picked to be the champ after Braxton Miller's injury in camp. I did an emergency revote because it was such a game-changing injury to me. The reigning Big Ten player of the year and the leader of the team picked to win the division is out for the year. I, I felt it almost rendered our initial vote meaningless. So we re-voted, and everybody almost – some people still picked Ohio State, smartly, as it turned out. Almost everybody picked Michigan State, and then, of course, it winds up being Ohio State. So that ended up being wrong. 2015, everyone picked Ohio State. It was Michigan State. 2016, picked Ohio State. It was Penn State. 17 and 18, we got it right. Picked Ohio State. It was Ohio State. Last year, picked Michigan. It was Ohio State. So the thing, Nathan, it just proof, not that we needed any more proof, everything in this conference revolves around Ohio State. And the reason that we as, as voters in this have been right or wrong is because we either overestimated or underestimated Ohio State. We either picked Ohio State to win it when they didn't, or we underestimated Ohio State and picked someone else to win it when Ohio State did. So here we are, almost unanimous, Ohio State to win it. And in 17 and 18, when the voters said that, they were right. And I also think, it, didn't last year feel like people just kind of thought it was Michigan's turn? And like that was maybe where they got that support too. And I think this year there isn't really that I don't think they feel the same way quite about Penn State. And I think they also, well, what happened last year with Ohio State maybe kind of reaffirmed their dominance to some extent. And a lot of those guys are back. Even though they lost some key people, you still got Fields back. You still got some other guys back. And I think that's what people are voting on more than anything is just that that team is set up to kind of continue what it started last year. I mean, what happened, what happened last year was a version of my nine and three pick. It was people who said, listen, the coach is new. The quarterback's new. I don't know. I mean, it yeah. feels like maybe Ohio State takes a slight step back. A year ago, Michigan got 20 first-place votes in the East, and Ohio State got 14. So that's still pretty close. If four people change their mind there, then it's Ohio State, right? If three people change their mind, they're tied. So it, it wasn't like a runaway thing, but it was an example of just question marks around Ryan Day and Justin Fields that got answered, and that's why Ohio State's the overwhelming favorite. Let's yeah, I think people look, saw, like, vulnerabilities there, and I think people want to not vote for the same team first every year. I think there's probably people who send in their ballot this year. I, I, I would be curious to find out how many people, like, thought about Penn State or, like, wanted to vote for Penn State but couldn't quite bring themselves to get there. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Five of the last seven years, Ohio State's been picked to win it. So, you know, they are, they are who they are. But again, I mean, in 2016, everybody thought, you know, it's Ohio State. Yeah, they lose in a bunch of guys, you know, who went to the draft after the 2015 season. But Ohio State's still Ohio State, and Penn State gets them. So, I mean, you know, it's – again, we've been wrong both ways. Let's get to the players of the year. Let's start with defense. Um, can I guess who I think is the Big Ten preseason defensive player of the year in our poll? You can. It was a unanimous selection. That – surprises me but also it doesn't surprise me because 
actually, I take it back. It doesn't surprise me. I don't know who else you could vote for because so many guys left, and it's the yep. guys who put up the big stats are gone. So it's Micah Parsons from Penn State. It is Micah Parsons from Penn State. He got all 102 points. Because and then things are very scattered. You look at, for instance, like the all Big Ten team from a year ago, and listen, a lot of this, this is a stats based thing. It's the stuff we talk about. This is not actually sometimes a great reflection of who actually the best player is. But not only did Chase Young leave as a defensive end who gets sex, Yaturgros Matos from Penn State is gone. AJ Epinesa from Iowa is gone. Uh, a guy like Antoine Winfield from Minnesota's secondary is gone. Jeff Okuda is gone. Damon Arnett is gone. There's just a lot of guys that there's not an obvious pass rusher. And lots of times this, that, that award ends up going to a pass rusher. And there's not, you know what? Like I, I get not voting for Sean Wade because he's really good. I, I don't think Sean Wade's going to be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Like I just the, the combination of like what you have to do as a cornerback yeah. to do that. I don't know. I think it's tough. I don't think he's super famous enough. They're not going to throw at him. I don't think he's going to have the stats. The the play might very well justify it, but I, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. I think you would need to have like – it would either have to be like an insane interceptions total in a small amount of games or like multiple pick sixes that are like kind of highlight plays, maybe one that like wins the pin. So, you know what I mean? Like it have to be like moments that like captivated people's attention. I think you're right though. I think it's just a difficult thing for a cornerback. It's a difficult, difficult for them to win awards like that. So that said, I have no idea who second is. I mean, did, did Sean Wade get some votes? Sean Wade was second, but it was m much farther down. I mean, Sean Wade had 33 points and finished second, but was not named on in the top three because we asked people to vote for top three. He did not get a top three vote on 11 of the ballots. So a third of the ballots left him off completely. So that's how scattered things were when you, people started going beyond Micah Parsons to picking this, this defensive player of the year. So he's second. I don't know who's third, but let me ask, is Zach Harrison in the top five? Zach Harrison did receive uh, – he was named on only two ballots, so he's, okay. he's much farther down the list. One of those he, ballots is mine. Yes. Okay. That surprises me a little bit, but, again, that might just be it's July, we're in a pandemic, and people don't know who Ohio State's best pass rusher is off the top of their head. So that's fine. I'm not saying that that's bad voting. Um, a lot of this is – this is about perception. I mean, this is all about perception, but we need to know what the perception is so that when we get to December, we can say, look at this team. They're better than perception. They're worse than perception. This guy lived up to expectations. This guy exceeded expectations. That's what sports writing is all about. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't set expectations, you can't write about exceeding them or falling short of them, and I just want to – I want to make this point before we get out of here. That's why we did this because whether the season is played or not, we need to have for the history books, what the expectations were. Hey, posterity. When they did Nathan, I'm not sure it's you a, can talk about posterity. That's a great uh, word. <laughs> posterior. I like, but for people in Minnesota to say, man, I can't believe we didn't play that 2020 season. It's like, oh, yeah, Tanner Morgan and, and Rashad Bateman were really good. Yes, too bad those guys didn't play. And people say, we were picked to finish second. We were only this, you know, like we need people to be able to say that. We, if, and if we do play and if Rutgers goes four and eight, 
we need Greg Schiano to be able to stand up at a podium and say, we were picked last and we finished fifth. We need to give Greg Schiano that chance. So whether they play or not, we had to do this. So that's why I felt very strongly about this. And that's why I appreciate everybody who took time out of their day to do it. So, uh, but, but it is all about perception. So one, Micah Parsons, two, Sean Wade, who's third. So you said earlier in this conversation that there was no like returning pass rush stud that would have been an obvious choice for the top of this list. And I think you by voting for Zach Harrison, were kind of going for that same thought and the people who ended up voting the third place person third, I think had the same thought. It's George Karloftis of Purdue. He was a guy who is a defensive end and was a freshman all American last year. I don't have his stats in front of me, but was one of the, the few bright spots on a, a Purdue team that, didn't play very well, had a lot of injuries. I think they won four games. So, um, but I, people, I think, had the same thought. Like, this guy is like kind of maybe he is that guy. By the end of this year, maybe that's who we'll be talking about. And I think Zach Harrison is someone else who should be in that conversation. But, but uh, Karloftis has just had, had more snaps, more opportunity to demonstrate it last season that maybe he's that guy who will be the, the pass rusher that takes that. Um, he was a narrow choice for third place with 20 points over Northwestern linebacker Patty Fisher with 17 points. Patty Fisher's been getting votes in this poll for like six years. I can't believe he's still in college. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other – so Zach Harrison was on two ballots. Any other Ohio State guys get any votes? Yes. Um, well, I just want to say real quick, um, and then Quiddy Pay was fifth. From Michigan. Uh, from Michigan, yeah. And then everybody else was in uh, – he had 11 points, and everybody else was in single digits. Um, just one or two votes here and there. Um, I guess Dax Hill from Michigan had, had – um, or not Dax Hill, um, Fogg from – Somebody else had six. I'm, I'm screwing myself up here. My 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 uh my my beautiful Excel sheet keeps bouncing you know, around. On you me. know what? Hutchinson Hutchinson from Michigan had six votes, uh, six points. Um, but uh, Zach Harrison did get votes. I'm sorry, I, I I take that back. Zach Harrison or Zach Harrison was the only other Ohio State player to get defensive votes. And that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, again, if people aren't voting for Zach Harrison, they're not going to vote for Tyreek Smith. Nobody's going to vote for Pete Warner as a third-year starter. Nobody's voting for Tough Borland. Um, there's I just... mean, if it wasn't me or Steven, nobody's probably voting for Baron Browning. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I'm surprised. Oh, Steven. Steven didn't throw a vote to Baron Browning, a third-place vote for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? Nope. He and I voted for the same three guys, I think. Yeah, in the same order, even. All right, we'll save that for our podcast. That's interesting. No respect for Baron Browning. I'll make sure he knows about that, that you and Steven abandoned him. <laughs> um, all right, so if Micah Parsons – I'm sure he you, listens. You think he doesn't listen? What else does he have to do right now? They're not <laughs> – I'm an sure Ohio, he's listening to this, working out by himself at the oh, – no, I guess they're doing full workouts now. If an Ohio State football player listens to this podcast, it is only to shake their head and laugh and say, my God, those guys don't know what the heck they're talking about. Um, if Micah Parsons is unanimous defensive player of the year, Justin Fields has to be unanimous offensive player of the year. He was one ballot short of being the unanimous offensive player of the year. And is it Journey Brown from Penn State who got that that vote? No, it was Rashad Bateman okay. from Minnesota. Um, I'll get those are the three guys I voted for. Um, I, I think you've got to go a long way to figure out wh- where your non-Justin Fields vote is coming for. There's no other quarterback you could vote for ahead of him. So to say, I just think a running back or a receiver is going to is gonna end up being the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year over a quarterback who can throw and can run and is on the best team 
and was a Heisman finalist last year and is super famous, that's a stretch. I'm a little surprised he wasn't unanimous. And I guess it, it depends on – I mean, people vote in these different ways. You could actually say, hey, I think Rashad Bateman is the best player – is the best football player – even if he's not going to end up winning best you know, offensive player of the year, whatever. I, I, I know I, that, I guess you could look at it from that way and get there somehow. Um, but I, I was surprised that it wasn't unanimous. In fact, I actually started to text out that it was unanimous and I happened to scroll back onto the page and saw, Oh wait, no, that's right. Somebody did vote him second. So I'll say Rashad Bateman second journey Brown third. Actually, no. Uh, the second place, vote getter was and I think he actually should have been higher than this but I think people forgot because he missed most last year with an injury was Rondell Moore from Purdue was second with 38 points Rashad Bateman was third with 33 points I but both not- of those guys are, are missing from a lot of ballots and then Tanner Morgan from um from Minnesota was fourth with 16 points nobody else in double digits and uh, um all those guys are missing from a lot of ballots yeah, I, I didn't forget about – I almost forgot about Rondale, and I was like, no, 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 Rondale, but I would have had Rondale fourth. Rondale did not make my ballot. Um, I, I, I can't I, – I went Fields-Bateman, Journey-Brown, unless I went Fields-Journey-Brown-Bateman. I think Journey-Brown from Penn State is going to be the best running back in the Big Ten. And so um, that matters a lot, and that's going to be, again, for a good team in an offense where they're going to lean on him, where we've seen what effective running backs can do at Penn State and how important they can be. Um, but Rondale Moore, yeah, I get it. I get the Rondale Moore love. Any other surprises in there of, the, of that voting for offense? This is the one where there were several um, Ohio State vote-getters. I should say, um, you know, Journey Brown only had four points. He was only named on – he had four third-place votes. Um, so that was a little bit surprising. I thought he might be named a little bit higher. He wasn't one of my three, but I thought he might be a little higher. Uh, Pat Fryermuth also four points. And then just really a bunch of single votes um, – but there were several Ohio State votes, uh, guys who got like one or two votes. Uh, Chris Olave, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, and Trey Sermon all made at least one top three. Did you vote for Wyatt Davis or Josh Myers? I thought about Wyatt Davis. I did not ultimately vote for Wyatt Davis, but I thought about him as my, my number three. I, I get it. I, I, I get it. Also, it's like, okay, I don't know. I mean, how do we really quantify that? I mean, if, if, people, if people in the Pac-12 wanted to vote Panay Sewell as the preseason offensive player of the year in the Pac-12, I, I guess maybe I would get that. I mean, that's like a guy that everyone thinks is going to be a top five pick and is a left tackle. And I don't even know, does the Big 12, does the Pac-12 have any good players? I don't even know, like, who's well, him. I, who, oh, like, they've who's got the, good players. Yeah. Who's the best quarterback in the Pac-12? I don't even know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, ask Ari. He probably so, knows. But I mean, it, like Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence doesn't play in the Pac-12. Justin Fields doesn't play in the Pac-12. Like right. Lincoln Riley doesn't coach in the Pac-12. So it's like, oh, if you want to vote for a left tackle, I get it. You know, there's just a little bit. There's always good running backs. It's funny, though. I mean, we go from a Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins war for like who's the best running back in the Big Ten for like three years. And now if like if either of them were still around, they'd be giving Justin Fields a little bit of a run for his money. And instead, nobody's sure who the best running back in the Big Ten is this year. 
Yeah, and I think that it's interesting to watch the Big Ten kind of make this shift, and I don't know if it'll be a long-term shift or if it is a temporary thing, but it, it's become a, a league right now where receivers are sort of sneaking up to the forefront. I mean, what Minnesota did last year and then Bateman coming back, you've got Moore and, and David Bell at Purdue. You've got obviously what Ohio State's doing with with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and this whole stable of guys they have coming in behind. Um, it, it's interesting to kind of watch the receivers – sort of start to assert themselves in this league a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see if the quarterback play can kind of match the perceived talent that's coming with the receivers. I was on the, uh, our Browns podcast a couple days ago. And what we did was we looked at the top 100 NFL players list and then went through the Browns guys who were, were there and said a year from now when that list comes out, will they be higher or lower than other guys on that list? We played a little bit of a price is right game. Thinking a year from now, where might Garrett Wilson be in the preseason voting for Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year? And where might he be in the postseason voting for Big Ten Offensive of the Year, which is what actually matters, in 2021 right. in a world where Ohio State's quarterback situation is going to be uncertain? Where, I don't know, are you going to tell me that, like, the Michigan quarterback or a Michigan, you know, that Sean Clifford or that – Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin quarterback. I don't know who the best quarterback in the Big Ten is going to be in 2021. I don't know right now who the best running back in the Big Ten is going to be in 2021. But I think Garrett Wilson might be the best receiver. And if he has a bonkers year this year, and then a year from now, Bateman's gone and Olave's gone and Rondale Moore could be gone, right, as an early entry junior, right? right? I think Garrett Wilson sitting here, when we are doing this preview podcast a year from now, whether or we played in 2020 or not, I I have a feeling we might be talking about Garrett Wilson a lot when we're adding up these votes. I think he's one of those guys that might end up being like voted higher in the preseason than what he ends up being voted ultimately later on. Because then over the course of a season, even though we don't know who those people are going into the year, somebody else emerges. An Ohio State quarterback is eventually named and then starts and maybe they assert themselves and become a star in the making or whatever, or somebody else from around the league steps up that way or running backs, you know, emerged from where there seem to be just some, some question marks right now. And those are the kinds of positions that tend to get that vote more than receivers, especially slot receivers. So, um, not a ton of surprises, but a valuable exercise. Uh, again, I usually tabulate on a yellow legal pad with my fingers. Nathan, what did you think about, uh, being at the, uh, the center of the storm of uh, the Cleveland.com preseason poll. Did you find it to be a pain in the butt or did you find it to be an enlightening exercise? No, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I look forward to next year, um, hopefully not taking too big of an extended vacation right before this. And maybe we can get it out on time. Although it'll strike at about the same uh, awkward time of the summer for me, but um should we, I should be around for Big Ten Media Day and everything next year, so uh, maybe we can get it out. Hopefully we're playing football on a normal schedule next year and not having to worry about any of this nonsense. Well, the usual plan is we like to get it out either like the day before Big Ten Media Days start or the day of so that everybody right. at Big Ten Media Days is then talking about our poll and referencing our poll. Um, and, I, and I said I was looking back at the note I sent to the voters in 2019, and I said, hey, next year will be – the 10th annual version of this poll, perhaps we can have a big gala uh, at Big Ten Media Days for all the voters. And here we are. Yeah, Zoom gala. So 
Um, so maybe we'll do that next year in 2021. We'll invite everybody who has ever voted in the cleveland.com poll to a bar and we'll buy them all a drink and expense it. So, um, all right. So that's it. That's the preseason Big Ten poll. Ohio State, the overwhelming favorite. Wisconsin picked to win the West. Justin Fields and Micah Parsons, overwhelming favorites as the offensive and defensive players of the year. We appreciate you guys going along for the ride. 614-350-3315. If you want to get in on the text, read cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, mark it down Monday, coming Monday. And it probably we are probably going to go with one of these big picture things. Right, Nathan? Yeah, I think we need to find, kind of discuss a little bit more because and maybe what we find out tomorrow in terms of a schedule, if it happens tomorrow, maybe that changes how we decide. I don't know, but it'll be something. We have kind of a list of, of the big picture things, you know, picking awards, picking finishes, picking results, and it's just a matter of which one do we want to do first. We, and I maybe I should have told, we will do an emergency pod whenever they release the new Big Ten schedules because Teddy uh, – uh, Greenstein from the um, Chicago Tribune, great Big Ten writer who voted in this poll, uh, reported that things are going to be moved around. The division games might be moved up and reported that uh, Ohio State-Michigan might be earlier, might, might be earlier than the last game of the year. But when this comes out, there's going to be a rejiggering of the order to some degree. There's going to be an added, a 10th game, an added opponent. Uh, I saw, I don't know if it was a report or theorizing that someone thought it might be Ohio State's might be Minnesota. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about. There's going to be news coming in and we're going to have to analyze it immediately and we won't wait. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts so that it slides right into your phone whenever a new one comes out. But this is the Friday morning one. There's a chance the Big Ten schedule is coming out Friday. If it does, you're getting another podcast Friday. If it comes out over the weekend, which, again, some people have reported that could happen. We'll do it on Saturday or Sunday whenever it comes out. There will be an emergency pod to immediately talk about what the new Big Ten schedule looks like whenever that happens. So until then, if that happens, we'll talk to you then. If it doesn't happen until Monday, we'll see if we'll mark it down Monday. But for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.